Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever, a Colorado Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Skylar Timmons, joined here by my older brother, Dustin, wearing all camo. Where you can't even see me. Yes, it's just a floating head. <laughs> but we're, we're, took a little, took a week off last week. Now we're, we're back in action here as we get closer to, to Thanksgiving break and everything. But we, we figure, trying to figure out, well, looking through players. And this two pitchers that oh instrumental parts of that 2009 team, but just some some good pitchers, solid pitchers for the Rockies that weren't here for very long. Dustin, which or just right before we recorded, no, these guys weren't around for very long with the Rockies and Jason Marquis and Jason Hamill. Yeah, that. I was really surprised at the Jason Marquis. I thought we had him for at least a couple of seasons, but it was just that 09 season where he was an all-star and it was a good year. And then Jason Hamill there for three years, you know, looking back, man, that, that was just a quick, a quick thing. Cause he had a very lengthy career after the Rockies. And I think when we're thinking of this 2023 Rockies, and looking ahead, you know, how can we get back to finding those kind of pitchers? Mm-hmm. Or picking up a guy, Jason Marquis, and having a good year. We just wish they could have hung on to him and had some more success. But what can they do, learn from the past, from these type of pitchers that were able to make some adjustments and have – have some success in purple pinstripes. Yeah, it's we look at you know, the Rockies and their efforts to try and trade for pitching, sign pitching, and these two guys are examples of trading for pitchers. You know that that have already been in the big leagues for a little bit. You know, Hamill had been around for a little bit. Marquis had been around for a while, and they make a trade for guys that have already been around, have that experience, aren't rookies. And they bring them over, and immediately they find find a spot in their rotations and are successful. And so it's it, it's going to be fun to kind of talk about these guys and reminisce about them. And I think first we'll we'll start with arguably the ace of that one of the aces of that 2009 staff that went to the postseason in Jason Marquis. So Dustin's got his numbers. Take it away, Jason Marquis, batted lefty. But pitched righty, and from New York, uh, he was drafted by the Braves in the '96 amateur draft, straight out of high school, and he ended up making his major league debut in the year 2000. 
and played his last game in 2015 against the Rockies. And I remember him as 21, Jamie Wright number, but Jason Marquis represented it pretty well. Um, he played for the Rockies for three seasons, for the one season in 2009, was an all-star, and we'll get into we'll get into all that. Um, you know, he played for Atlanta, St. Louis, Chicago Cubs, the Rockies, and drafted him arbitration. He takes a deal with the Washington Nationals, then went to Arizona, Minnesota, San Diego and finished his career with Cincinnati. Uh, but that was that was his career, uh, 16 years in the bigs. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's you look at looking at his career. Like, Man, this guy was he had a good career, a good solid career over the the course of all those years with all these different teams of oh, not a superstar pitcher. But then you look at his numbers and the teams he was on and the success he had. It's just kind of one of those good, <laughs> reliable, solid starters. Which you're like, man, <laughs> why didn't anybody keep him around for years and years? He just kind of bounced around, especially there at the end. Yeah, and, you know, the, I'm, I miss the days that the pitchers could hit. Mm-hmm. Because I remember Jason Marquis, you know, being a guy that could handle the stick a little bit. Plus, he he won a Silver Slugger award when uh, in his career when he was uh, when he was with St. Louis. But again, looking at his numbers for his career, 124 wins, 118 losses. Anytime you're above 500 in a record, it's not too bad. Uh, we own that. That year with the, you know, and he had he had some solid. He was a he was an innings eater in his time with St. Louis, then with the Cubs, and he came to Colorado and set a record mark in innings pitched, mm-hmm. which is crazy. You know, we it's it's so crazy looking at these numbers. You know, that was in two thousand nine, and here in in the last few seasons with of the Rockies. It feels like we haven't had any pitchers get to 150 innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he, a guy that would grind—that's that's something I think. This mentality, I always think of Jason Marquez, this bulldog mentality. He was—he didn't blow people away, but he could, you know, work and work in the ground balls. And we know in those those 2007, 2008, 2009. See, Get the ground ball. The, the gold glove infield is going to take care of the ball. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he, he took it full advantage of that. Took full advantage of that coming over to Colorado. Like they acquired him from the Cubs. Must have been the Cubs. Yep. Uh, they acquired him over for Luis Viscano. Acquired him for that. And Dan O'Dowd at the time said, we like Marquis' athleticism, age, and durability. He was going to be 30 years old. Like you said, he was an innings eater, going to be a reliable, durable starter in that rotation. And looking up information, looks like he had messed with his delivery, tweaked his delivery a little more to improve his release point, 
he was extending his stride off the mound and you know, giving him a little bit more balance and, uh, over the rubber and just kind of allowing his body to catch up and everything, helping result in you know, a longer stride and throw the ball downhill more. And that ended up in having more ground balls. I believe, I think he was second in the league that year in ground balls or like ground ball outs somewhere there. He was top of the marks in a lot of those things, but he, he was reaping the benefits from, we just caught him at the right time of, he had made some personal changes in his, in his, his mechanics. And then the Rockies reaped those benefits and he just took off. That season was a, you know, a key factor throughout the year and helped him get to that postseason. Yeah, and I think, I think as we as we do our as we we're doing our research on on Jason Marquis and, and Jason Hamill, a name that that keeps popping up for me is their one of their old pitching coaches, Jim Wright, mm-hmm. and the work with he did when when we look back at those rotations and seeing those guys, yeah, we had Ubaldo that was a kind of a one of a kind talent we had him and then we, we kind of you know patched it together with a Jason Marquis and Jason Hamill and these guys that that competed it says that they they didn't maybe they weren't having as much as success in the, in their in the place they came prior and with the Rockies making some adjustments to utilize their their strengths getting those ground balls and boom an all-star mm-hmm. marquee in that 2009 season. Yeah. Uh, Jim Wright working as that bullpen coach from 2009 to 2012. And it's just cool to see. It's always nice when you can see a guy come to Colorado as a pitcher and find success because we're used to the opposite of they come and this is where they come to die. Pitching <laughs> comes to die, but it's nice to see a guy like Marquis coming in and just dominating name to the all-star team that season, which we're not used to that. There's very few all-star pitchers in Rocky's history. And he, he was, you know, one of the few starters. What seems like, was he just the second starting pitcher? I want to say that's what it seems like. Something like that. One of those few, because Aaron Cook and then, Jason Marquis is the starting pitchers, and then you have Ubaldo Herman later on. But for him to come in in his first season and just turn heads like he did, uh, it was fun to watch him pitch. Yeah, and, the, and when we look at some of those key moments of Jason Marquis, his game on June thirtieth, and he had a, a two hit, no walk, seventeen ground ball out. Six pitch shutout. And speaking of Aaron Cook, that's an Aaron Cook game right there. Mm-hmm. An eighty-six pitch shutout with seventeen ground balls, it, which is, you know, anytime the Rockies do, do something like that, it's that's what that's what we want. Um, he. Think it's called to the you know announced as an all star, and what does he do the next day? 
Dodgers, or he followed this, you know, that shutout with that first the one. The first one was against the Dodgers. Yes. And then he goes, pitches shutout innings, one nothing victory over the Nationals. <laughs> and at the time, that was the major league leading 11th win before the All Star game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the few Rockies to win 11 games before the All Star break. And like, yeah, the win isn't as significant as it was in the past, really. But it it says a lot for a starting pitcher when they're going out and and earning those wins and doing their part. I was looking in his game log from that season. So he made 33 starts that year. So awesome. And I believe out of those starts, 21 of them were quality starts. So six innings, three runs or less. And so he had 21 of those, 13 of them. No, 16 of those starts, he went at least seven innings. He had two complete games. He had several starts where he went eight innings. He was just going out there and, and eating innings and being effective. There was only four innings or four outings that whole year where he didn't complete five full innings. Just four games. Well, we talk about efficiency. In that year, he had the third lowest in pitches per plate appearance, 3.53. He had the fourth lowest in pitches per inning, 15. <laughs> it, holy cow. That is efficient. There is your solution. They're having success is a Colorado Rocky pitcher. Don't walk people and don't nibble. Execute your pitches. We're down in the zone. And Jason Marquis figured it out. Yeah. In that one season. So when we're talking, we're t- when when I think of who could we you know look at and compare and where where do we think we can get that kind of 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 production, look at it comparing to a Jason Marquis uh-huh. and, and try to get them. I think this year a Chase Anderson almost could, could fit that. Yeah. And, you know, with, but it, it's just astonishing how good a season that, that, that 2009 was for Jason Marquis. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, it was a career year in a lot of aspects and, now, there were some bad outings in there, and that kind of inflated. But he's better than what some of the, you know, the ERA and stuff show. He was much better than that you know, on the mound. And yeah, it's that example of what could be successful. It's not necessarily him you know, inducing all the ground balls and pitching down in the zone. But it's, like you said, limiting walks, attacking, and executing with his pitches. You know, he's not nibbling and trying to walk guys. No, he's he's coming. He was coming after guys and inducing. That's just how he was pitching. That was his repertoire, his arsenal. And it's not so much like you don't take like an Aaron Cook and Jason Mark. You don't try to replicate what they're throwing, what they're you know, who they are as a pitcher, but the philosophy behind their pitching. Work quick, throw strikes. What happens happens. They put the ball in play. Great if you. If you get a strikeout, wonderful. Coming after guys to find success. And it's 
it's a shame. It would have been nice maybe to have him around for a couple more years just with what happened with that rotation. Like, man, they probably could have used him in 2010 where they kind of faltered off at the end and everything when they could have probably made it back to the postseason again. But uh, you, you miss out on him and then we enter a dark period <laughs> of Rockies pitching. Yeah, we don't we don't like to remember that one. But uh, before we we break for the next guy, uh, like you said, it he was a silver slugger, so we should touch on his hitting a little bit <laughs> and just how he did over his career. Um, but oh, one last thing I want to touch on: uh, pretty good at Coors Field, three nine two ERA at home. You always wonder about that sub four ERA at Coors Field. We'll take it. Most always definitely. But overall, with his standard batting that year, at 75 plate appearances, <laughs> wasn't his best year hitting, but not too shabby. A 172 batting average at a 219 slugging, 197 on base. Uh,. How many? He got nine sack bunts down most of his career. So, congrats to him. Yeah, it's <laughs> just 11 hits. He had three doubles that year and eight RBI. So, not too shabby. And that's what's surprising. Looking at that, he didn't have a home run. And you would have thought, you know, a guy yeah. that could swing the bat a little bit that he would have. He you know, channeled he, in his inner Mike Hampton, but he had two home runs in 2008 with the Cubs. So he used them all up at Wrigley. He must've. <laughs> yeah. It, the end, and we have to mention one of few pitchers to pitch in the postseason. How did he do? Well, he pitched just the one game in the NLDS against the Phillies. Um, no, that's his postseason batting. He went hitless. But he had only tossed one inning in 2009. Yeah, finished a game. Came in to finish out a game. One inning, gave up one hit. Nothing else. It's crazy. He didn't start a game? Well, that wasn't that series against the Phillies a pretty quick one. Yeah, it would have been just three games. But man, that he's one of your best pitchers and he doesn't start one of the games. Weird. Well, that sounds like the Rockies, though. Yeah. Jason Hamill's we'll get into it, but Jason Hamill started one of those games. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, Jason Marquis, one of those underrated, maybe forgotten Rockies a lot of the time, but 2009 season was a lot of fun. He was he was a fun one to pitch. Fun one to watch pitch. Just for a lot of the things that we mentioned. Yep. And he'll be always, for me, he was one of those guys that got away. Yeah. Especially at 30 years old. Like, you could have kept him for one or two more years at least. Yeah, at least a couple. You know, because he went on and Played two seasons with the Nationals, a, a year with, well, he got got hurt there with Arizona, and then he he uh, tried to make his way back. He was 
you know, finishing out his career, he never got back to, you know, with the, I guess maybe so the Rockies used up all that was left in him <laughs> and, and, you know, he didn't have as, you know, not nearly as much, not nearly as many innings pitched as he was used to, but, but he's, he's in there on our list. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, we'll always have the hype video that the Nationals had announcing that they had signed Jason Marquis. <laughs> it's a very funny video. If you've never seen it, go look up the Nationals hype video announcing like, yeah, he could have gone anywhere, but he came here. <laughs> it's a very cheesy. No, It's a very 2010s commercial. But moving right along here to our next guy here on our on our list here another Jason another pitcher there in that 2009 team he stuck around for a couple more years in a uh, Jason Hamill one of my personal favorites i was i was like Jason Hamill but uh, what's the rundown on one Mr. Hamill all right Jason Hamill who wore f- number 46 with the Rockies right-handed pitcher uh, from Greenville South Carolina he, he you know, he had a, a kind of an interesting draft history. Drafted by the Mariners in the twenty-third round in in two thousand, um, but but didn't sign. Then got drafted by the Devil Rays in the nineteenth round of the two thousand one draft, and then again Tampa Bay in two thousand two, and that's where he, you know, he he went off and made his major league debut in two thousand six is a 23-year-old and ended up playing his last game in 2018. Uh, played for the Rockies for three seasons from 2009 to 2011. He came over to Colorado during uh, during a trade in 2009 when the Rockies traded a pitching prospect of Inuri Rodriguez to the Devil Rays and brought in brought over Jason Hamill and you know he played played for the Rockies then he was traded to Baltimore with Matt Lindstrom where they got Jeremy Guthrie and then played for the Cubs went over to Oakland back to the Cubs and finished his career out with the Kansas City Royals yeah interesting career he's got a world series ring in there with probably the one of the most historic World Series winning teams there in 2016, but this one was always tough for me. I was always kind of sad when he got traded away after that uh, 2011 season because I, I liked Jason Hamill. Well, he wasn't a big flashy pitcher, but there was always just something about him where every time he's on the mound, I'm like, "We're going to be okay. We're going to get a solid outing out of this guy. He's going to give us a chance to win." Him, whether... him and that, him and that goatee of his. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I remember. He kind of has the little bit bigger ears, and then the the, the goatee on his chin. But uh, there was always something about he's a, kind of a tall, taller, lankier guy, and you know, something we both relate to, kind of being tall, lanky kids growing up. And you know, it's fun to watch a guy like that pitching because you're like, hey. I kind of move like that guy. He's got these big, long limbs. I, 
that's how I can pitch. But he, he was one of those guys I always liked watching pitch. And I don't know if people would probably disagree and you see things looking up research, old articles, old articles from the archives from former folks at, uh, at Purple Row. Writing <laughs> kind of things like weren't that high on Jason Hamill. But he's just one of those guys I really thought was a good pitcher that I just loved watching because I, I had all the confidence in the world for him. Yeah, that's and that's what's funny as we as we go through there's some of these guys statistically that weren't the best, but but that doesn't matter. This whole show is about remembering them and, and how they made an impact in us personally. And so for you, this you know, Jason Hamill where you could relate to him. And and he did. I just always always remember there there'd be either hey, this guy this guy's got it working. I was like, just throw a strike, man. Uh-huh. Like you see these highs and lows of Jason Hamill. And he was one that, that we talked about before is Jim Wright making a big impact on him. Uh, that's one of the things that maybe I thought is, ah, oh, this guy, it seems mental, mentally it's, it's all over the place, you know, getting that muscle was just Pitch, man, just repeat that same. You did good, so repeat it. Um, but because he, I remember when he came over from 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 the Rays, or like you know this younger guy, this prospect that you know he's got potential. And those were the days of the was it dealing Dan O'Dowd, mm-hmm. and he didn't give up anything really for him, and and plug him in uh you know he makes that transition back into to a starter and he plugged up that you know a number four five starter for the rockies uh-huh. and you know he won 27 games with them in those in those three seasons which i think is pretty impressive and once again he ate up innings uh-huh 177 170 staying healthy making your 30 plus starts you know he had 34 starts 30 starts 38 games uh yeah 30 starts 30 starts and 27 you know that's that's pretty solid yeah no it's i think looking at his stats everything oh, even more is like yeah he wasn't going to be a lights out pitcher but he was Going to give you some length for the most part. He, majority of the time, he's going to go out there and give you five, six innings. No, maybe he's giving up three or four runs, but with those a little bit more high powered offenses, you would take that back then because those offenses were, were still pretty good. You had a Carlos Gonzalez, a Troy Tulowitzki in your lineup, and you no, know, Todd Helton's still in there, and a lot of these other younger guys getting mixed in there, you had some good offenses. And so that kind of made up for, you know, you'd take a Jason Hamill six inning, four runs allowed. Like, hey, we're in this. We're only down by two runs type of thing, mentality, instead of, you know, sometimes when he'd go out there and last three innings and give up six runs and you're like, eh. but even then you're like, oh, offense can find a way to come back, hopefully. Yeah, that 
<clears throat> it's not like today where we're down by two runs and it feel like it's over. Oh, that's man. It, it's, it's crazy because it doesn't seem like Jason Hamill was with the Rockies that long ago. Mm-hmm. But now that we're in 2023, sheesh, 12 years ago. And you know, how much, how much things have, have changed. You know, he's, he's one of our, one of these former Rockies that went on and, you know, he was never, you know, the, the, the big time ace. He wasn't with Baltimore. Uh, he just pitched up some innings, went to Chicago and kind of the same, same stuff. He just, he found a little, you know, these niches where they really needed him and uh-huh. where he could have some success and had some really solid years after with with Chicago and Oakland and then when he went to the went to the Royals he just ate up a bunch of innings yeah <laughs> he was Jordan Lyles for the Royals before Jordan Lyles came to pitch for the Royals these last yep. couple of years but uh back in 2021 this was the day after Christmas uh I wrote an article on Purple Row Rockies pitchers you probably forgot about and Jason Hamill was on this list. And what I wrote is his ability to throw strikes and limit walks and other damage were instrumental to his success. His 4.07 FIP, his field, fielding independent pitching, ranks as the fourth best in franchise history. So you take away oh, a lot of the, just him as a pitcher and pitching. A 4.07 FIP, pretty decent. You know, falls in line with things. His B war, his war, according to baseball reference, is the second best mark of his career at 4.4 during his time with the Rockies, behind his time with the Chicago Cubs. He was better on the road than at home, but even at Coors Field, like we said, he gave the Rockies a fighting chance to win ball games. And then they decided to trade him after that because in 2011, near the end of the season, he got demoted to the bullpen because I think he kind of started to struggle with his command and effectiveness. And so they sent him to the bullpen where he had to work on finding that fastball. So Jim Wright out there in that bullpen helps him kind of work through, like you mentioned, that maybe the mental hurdles to get back to prevent any further yips from showing up. Works on his fastball, and you know he expressed you know, confidence that he was in a better space, you know a better mental space with everything, and he was more confident in his, his ability to pitch. Fortunately, the Rockies must didn't want to take that chance, I guess, and decided to try and get a veteran innings eater in Jeremy Guthrie, which unfortunately didn't work out very well. <laughs> Not at all. But it's it's just sad to see that it feels like they kind of gave up on him too quickly no by that 2011 because no jason hamill in 2012 no maybe he helps write the ship maybe we don't have to go to a 75 pitch limit on four-man rotation you have four, jason hamill's there to eat innings for you he can go six innings now uh, they may not always be the cleanest innings but he's going to give you a chance to win the ball game and i think that's what it came from 
or I remember looking those game logs. I remember him being better than he was statistically, but it may be just that confidence of watching him pitch and go deep into ball games. Because if a starter, my ideally, if a starter can go six innings, I'll take that every time. Now give me six innings, save my bullpen, and give us a just give us a chance to win the game. Don't get blown out. But I think he was a typical, I guess, was often affected by a typical Rockies problem of one bad inning type of thing. And and it 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 brings up some points on on talking about the Rockies and and what's the the you know the the mental fortitude that it takes to pitch at Coors and see how these guys are so effective at Coors these guys that they've had some good numbers at Coors and in trying to see trying to find you know what's that mental strength coach doing is it a, is is there one anymore and how how do pitchers deal with it um because we like i said that that's one of them and and i think something too is very hard is is a is a is, is a pitcher in my experience you know i, I started out a season and i was seven and oh starting doing you know felt i was doing all right and then i had three straight no decisions went out of the game with the lead same lefty reliever came in those three games and blew the lead so i got three so instead of going 10 and 10 and 0 here in the in the in the league seven and oh with three no decisions and i get demoted and it's hard when you're grinding as a starter because it's a whole different mentality and they go to the bullpen and it's like come on man like how am i going to get better now uh-huh. and i i i, I understand i see that when these guys are bouncing around at the rockies do it a lot where you get i think the worst for me to be a pitcher would be stuck in long relief uh-huh. being that long reliever Oh, terrible! Because it feels like you never play, and when you do, the game's already out of hand. Or it's that oh, we needed a starter, so here you go, mm-hmm. you know, on that on that Sunday series or whatever. And so I, I can I understand and and see how Jason Hamill kind of went through that in his career as a as a starter, and then okay, go to the bullpen. It's like, well, mm-hmm. sheesh, man, it it's tough. Uh, but he got to do it in the pros. He did it in the yeah. major leagues. So <laughs> I guess I, I wouldn't complain too much. I was just doing it at Juco ball, you know. Yeah. But, you know, seeing this, the stuff that, uh, you know, how they go through and, and just that, that, that process, that daily grind. And Jason Hamill was one of those guys that, for those three years that did just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what are those? Just a solid pitcher, like a the type of guy you want in the back end of your rotation. You no, know, even a three, four, five type of pitcher. He's going to go out there and give you most of the time. He's going to give you a decent start. It's probably not going to be always the best start, but it's going to be a decent one. 
He's going to pick up the team, do what he can to compete, save your bullpen, he'll give you some length, and give you options going forward, and give you an option to, to win the game. Like, even didn't work out as well. He did pitch the one game in the postseason in 2009 against the Phillies. Uh, pitched three and two-thirds innings, gave up four runs on four hits, including a home run. You could probably tell some of maybe the the environment of being in your first postseason game and walked three guys, had three strikeouts, or had five strikeouts, but walked three batters, gave up the home run. So four run, but still not too heavy. And then it goes on to have some pretty, pretty good outings in the postseason, you know, 2012 with the, uh, with the Orioles in the division series against the Yankees tosses 11 and a third innings, gives up just four runs in two of those, in those, in two games, does some other stuff throughout, but not too shabby of a career for Jason Hamill. And I was always happy to see him have that success elsewhere when he was doing things. Oh, yeah, so and he's one of those guys that kind of like ah man, it's too, it's too bad. We've had ex Rockies that were like oh they couldn't have got rid of that guy soon enough, you know. But but you know the couple that we talked about today was or a couple of a couple of solid starting pitchers that post Rockies career it was like and I I I was glad when you were doing good and. You know, whenever the Rockies played against them, I wanted to pound them. But, you know, having them find success or do things and knowing that being part of the Rockies is part of their career path, their, you know, their history, they're part of our group is, is, is all right. Yeah. Go to the Dodgers. Yeah. (laughs) I will not accept that. Uh, just before we wrap up here, uh, standard batting for Jason Mark or for uh, Jason Hamill in his Rockies career had a 120 average, <laughs> 158 slugging, 142 on base. He did have 22 sacrifice hits, 22 sack bunts, more than any other portion of his career, mostly because he spent three years here. And guys were always on base. That's what was nice. You'd have a eight hole. You'd have Chris Ionetta in the eight hole or something getting on base. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That there were guys getting on. We don't. We we can't say that anymore. <laughs> but uh, 184 plate appearances. He had 19 hits. He had three doubles, six RBIs, 69 strikeouts to four walks, and he did have a home run in 2011 for the Rockies. First and only home run of his career. I relate a lot to Jason Hamill. He's six six and six five and hitting once once the, the ball started coming fast, my hitting just boom. So I <laughs> I relate a lot to Jason Hamill. He had a double in each of his three years with the Rockies. So yes, there you go, his annual double. <laughs> Those, yeah, I was a little better than that, but <laughs> he had six hits in 2009, six hits in 2010, seven hits in 2011. Dang, that's crazy. <laughs> A lot of strikeouts each year, though. 
The only he only had 15 strikeouts in 2011. Well, that's crazy. To, it's crazy to think because it seems like so long ago that pitchers actually got to hit when yeah. it was only what two seasons ago. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, we think of Herman Marquez being able to rock the ball, but like, sheesh, man, it's it's crazy. I think I think it's it's like it it never changed because the Rockies nine hole hitter has not been able yeah, to do it. Feels anything. like we still have one. So we still have one. Sheesh. <laughs> or it feels like we have a couple of pitchers hitting in the lineup sometimes. Real. Throw Herman. <laughs> Herman's let him let Herman DH since he can't pitch. Let him DH in 2024. He could do he could do a little Bryce Harper, a little <laughs> Shohei. Sheesh. Yeah, that's what Shohei's going to be doing next year. So in purple yeah. pinstripes, right? Wouldn't that be an episode of every Rocky ever? <laughs> oh man, that'd be nuts. Oh goodness. Paying him seventy million dollars to come play one season in Colorado. Oh well, but yeah. The, <laughs> two guys that solid, good pitchers that were, were personal favorites. And I, I think there's a lot of fans out there that you no know, have that same kind of thing of like, yeah, I remember, I liked those guys. You know, good pitchers, maybe not the greatest, but they had g- good moments with the Rockies and no types of pitchers. The Rockies could always use more of just solid, solid innings eaters that can plug into that rotation. Stay healthy and eat, eat the innings. And and even Jason Hamill's ERA being that four or five starter, an ERA hanging around mid to low four. And you know, that's, for Rockies pitching that that gets the job done. Yeah. It it really should. Yeah, it should and then it puts a focus on okay, and then our bullpen needs to be be able to hold that and our offense just needs to be really good. Oh. But that's going to do it here for this edition of Every Rocky Ever. Always enjoy having you to join along with us as we reminisce about these players. Uh, I was looking, I did see that Jason Marquis, at least in 2022, was helping in a collegiate summer league uh, somewhere over there on the East Coast. So probably around where he, where he lives, uh, was able to come and be a coach in 2022 at least. Um, was he a player coach like Manny Corpus was? Probably not. <laughs> but... And then I'm I'm not sure. I wasn't able to find much on Jason Hamill, what he's up to. But I'll keep looking. The dream would be even find these guys, get them on here. But but as always, we appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at, at every Rocky Ever. That's R-O-C-K-Y, every R-O-C-K-I-E ever over on Twitter, as well as the Rocky Mountain Rooftop, R-O-C-K-Y-M-T-N Rooftop over on Twitter. And you can follow me at sideline underscore crowd. Dustin's at Mr. T Spanish. Yeah, that's all the good stuff. That's all I can think of. Yep, that's all That's all that we got going on. We're just grinding with the offseason now that the World Series is over. And for me, it's it's avalanche season right now. 
following them and rooting for them and seeing what happens in the the off-season moves for Major League Baseball. And you can follow us over the Affected by Altitude podcast. That's a weekly one. Uh, we do this, try to do this one every other week, so twice a month. But every but Affected by Altitude, you can typically a new episode every Monday on your favorite streaming platform or here on YouTube. And you can stay up to date. Evan Lang and I will be covering your Rockies news, happenings and goings, goofing off. And not to mention... It. And not to mention all the pop culture references, video game references, impressions. You just get everything in those episodes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's like a fever dream. No, we have fun over there. And you can also find us both. Find find writing over at purplerow.com as well as fansforsports.com. I do a lot of writing over there. Not necessarily about the Rockies, but just about Major League Baseball in general. Covering stuff. A lot of good time. So all the support fans can give us is greatly appreciated in helping the show grow and giving us an opportunity to keep doing this. But until next time, this has been Every Rocky Ever. I'm Skyler. That's Dustin. Until next time. So long. Farewell.